Today's scripture reading is from Luke 7, 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city, who was a sinner, had learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. And then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt for both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for reading that. I'm so excited to be with you guys here again. It's been some time, and I'm glad I'm able to be here and to bring God's word uh, to you. Before we do that, just join me in prayer. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, that uh, you have been faithful for so long, and you've been so good to us. And we are grateful, God, that it's such a privilege to be here to hear from you through Scripture. And I pray that you'd prepare our hearts to receive whatever you have in store for us today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. They can never know who I really am. Of all the things I've done, they can never know, said Dave, as he looked at himself in the mirror. What started off as shame turned into a grimace, into a frown, and into anger. He couldn't stand to look at his own face in the mirror. Being overcome with emotion, he began to weep, saying, how can I, of, all the, of everybody, how can I, how can I do something like this? How can I continue to do something like this? Having become numb to the pain, Dave goes to bed to sleep it off. The next morning, he's awake, he walks in to church with his family, he sits down in the pew, he greets people right next to him, he stands up, he's, he sings in worship, and when the lights go down, 
he sits stone-faced, his heart as hard as a rock because of the cycle and pattern of sin that he's been struggling with. Friends, as I look at you today, I see men, I see women, I see children. But I could be looking at a lot of Daves right now. Members and visitors of Allen Bible Church, chirpy and bright on the outside, but broken, lonely, and hopeless on the inside. And you've heard from this stage, I'm sure, time and time again, that Jesus loves you, that God is faithful, that he loves you no matter where you are, and you can come to him, and you can love him. But deep down, you're like, man, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what kind of person I am. You don't know the thoughts that go on in my mind. If you knew, you wouldn't want to associate with me. God wouldn't want to associate with me if he knew the things that I did. Friends, you and I, we're all very familiar with Dave. We've all been there. And especially when we hear stories and testimonies of all of these people who have such a vibrant, pure love and devotion for God, that leaves us feeling, man, I could never love God like that. I wish I could. And when you hear the story of this woman who washes Jesus' feet with her tears and wipes it with her hair and anoints his feet, you and I can be like, I could never love God that way. I wish I could. And the truth is, it's hard for us to believe that we can love God. And God, in fact, he, he wants us, he desires us to love him pure, unadulterated love. So what can you and I do when we feel lost and hopeless and we find it hard to love God? In our passage today in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, Jesus himself gives us a solution. He says to love God much, it's a two-step process. First, you need to recognize the depth of your sinfulness Second, you need to recognize the extent of your forgiveness. And that's just the big idea of my talk today. To love God much, to grow in our love for God, it's a two-step process. You need to first recognize the depth of your sinfulness and then recognize the extent of your forgiveness. So the gospel writer Luke, in this passage, he introduces us to the story of this woman who anoints Jesus' feet now, this is very similar to another story in the gospel where we hear of another sinful woman who anoints Jesus, but the only difference is that happens, on, uh, that happens in the house of Simon the leper in the western side of the Jordan. We are out right now in the house of Simon the Pharisee on the eastern side of the Jordan in a town called Nain. So those are two different stories. And straight away, we are introduced to three characters in this text. Okay? Join me in verse 36 and 37 says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. So straight away, we have three characters. We have Jesus, we have the sinful woman, and we have the Pharisee. When 
reading narratives like this in the Gospels, we need to pay close attention to the setting and the characterization of the characters. In other words, what is Luke saying or showing about these characters? Okay, So when we talk about the woman, she has no name in the story, and she speaks nothing. The only thing we know about this woman is the fact that she is sinful. She is well-known in the community as a sinner. Now, we don't know what kind of sin she's involved in, but her sin was well-known in the congregation, in the community that she lived in. She was this neighbor in your community who uh, was reported in the news to be selling drugs to the children in your area. She was bad news. You wanted to stay far away from her as possible. You did not want to associate with this woman. She was the Dave that we spoke about. The only difference is everybody knew about her sin. She was well known as a sinner. And the people perceived her as so far gone, so far removed from God that she has no business being with the righteous, lest she defiles the righteous. That was the reputation she had. And we also don't know how she ended up in the Pharisee's house, but it was pretty common for hosts to invite guests over and they could bring other people as long as they stood in the walls and didn't interrupt with the dinner. So that's probably how she got there. So while we don't have much of what she says, in biblical narratives, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak so much louder than words. So let's see, what did she do? Verse 38. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now, what does it mean that she stood behind? We have a picture of what that scene could have looked like. In, the, in biblical times, in the time of Jesus, that's what a meal looked like. People would, when they said they're reclining at the table, their feet would be pointing away from the table, whereas their torsos and their bodies are point, pointing inwards. So here we see if this was Jesus and his disciples and whoever were at the table, Jesus' feet was pointing away from the table. And that's how she had access to Jesus' feet. Now in this verse, Luke really slows down and gives, explains the, the scene in great detail. He says that she stood behind him. She was weeping. She was weeping so much that there were enough tears to wet Jesus' feet to wipe them. Speaking of Jesus' feet, well, do you, do you remember what it feels like to wear slippers and sandals all day? Have you all done that? <laughs> it's just me. Do you remember how dirty your feet can get? And especially when Jesus and his disciples are walking in the dusty roads of Palestine, they got pretty dirty. Now, we don't like to think of Jesus as having dirty feet. He is God. He is perfect. But his feet did get dirty. <laughs> So when our feet get dirty, what do we do to clean them off, clean the dirt off? Do we, we definitely don't use our hair. We don't also sprinkle a few drops of water, right? We are really generous with how much water we want to use to clean the dust off of our feet. So in this story, no, this woman, she doesn't have floodwaters coming out of her eyes. She has tears like you and me. But the verbs that Luke is using here, his indicates a continuous, repeated action. 
that even though her tears were just few drops at a time, she continued to use that over and over again as they fell to wipe Jesus' feet. That's devotion. Do you recall instances where you've been just so overwhelmed that you couldn't stop crying, that tears just kept rolling down your cheeks? That's what's going on here. And after having wiped them dry, she anoints and she smears Jesus' feet with this really expensive ointment and perfume. Again, we don't know where she got this perfume from, but the point of this is the fact that she used it on Jesus' feet. Again, a sign of devotion and love. But why is she doing all of this? I'm glad you asked. That's what even the Pharisee had in mind. He's like, why is she doing all of this? First of all, why is she here? Why is she wasting this expensive perfume on Jesus? Jesus has an answer. Join me in verse 41. Jesus gives a parable and he says, A certain creditor had two debtors. One owned 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, to put things in perspective, 500 denarii is about two years worth of wages, 20 months worth of wages. So think of how much money you make in one year and double that. That's how much 500 denarii is. And 50 denarii is about two months worth of wages. So the, the difference between 500 and 50 is no small amount. It's a big deal. It's a huge difference. 42. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Jesus is obviously asking a leading question. You and I and the Pharisee knows what the right answer is. So Simon says, Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, yes, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. What the Pharisee didn't do, the, women, the woman did. But listen to this. Listen to how Jesus qualifies her action. 47. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. Jesus says her sins, which were many, the people in the town recognized her sins were many. many. The Pharisee recognized her sins were many. Jesus recognized her sins were many. Jesus recognized the depth of her sinfulness. They weren't few. They weren't two months worth of sins. They were so much that she believed that she was so far away from God that she could not approach him that she could not associate with God. The, it says, her sins have been forgiven. The, when the author uses this phrase, have been forgiven, he's talking about the present results of an action that was completed in the past. His focus is on the present results of an action completed in the past. Now, what is, We don't know how the woman got to hear about Jesus in a 
verses 11 onwards, we hear that Jesus was in the town. He raised a dead uh, person to life. He was healing people. So she probably heard about Jesus and had an encounter with him and her sins were forgiven. And what Luke is trying to say is her present actions, all that she's doing, is the result of being forgiven in the past. So why does she do all of this? How is someone who's so far away, who thinks they're just hopeless, who have no hope, how is someone able to love God? It's because she's been forgiven. Jesus says in verse 47, hence she has shown great love. Now she didn't do all of this in order to gain forgiveness. But all that she did was because she was forgiven. Her actions of love are the evidence of being forgiven. Now this sinful woman, she recognized the extent of her forgiveness. Now she had no issues recognizing how sinful she was. If the people in her community were to rate her relationship with God on a scale of 1 to 10, they would most likely give her a 1. She most likely gave herself a 1 as well. She knew what kind of woman she was. She had heard of her reputation. She was living in it. She probably looked at her own reflection in the water and felt the same shame that Dave felt. She could identify with Dave. But the only reason she was able to change her rating from a 1 to a 10 was because she recognized how sinful she was and she came to Jesus and she was forgiven of her sins. Jesus saw the woman. She, he saw her sinful state and he had compassion and he forgave her of all her sins. After an encounter with Jesus, this woman recognized the extent of her forgiveness. And in Jesus' own, own words, he says that her love, because of that, was so great. Church, when was the last time you showed your love for God this way. I know I'm not talking about showing love for God by how we love our neighbors, but let's just talk about your relationship with God right now. When was the last time you were able to tell God that you really loved him? That you had this pure, unadulterated devotion to him? For those of us, Daves who are here today, recognize the extent of your forgiveness, that Jesus has forgiven you. He has seen you in your sin and he welcomes you into his presence. Jesus is not like, oh, here we go again. Dave has sinned. He doesn't shrug his shoulders. In fact, our weakness ignites his heart to pursue us in love, to grow in our love for God, to love God much. Recognize the extent of your forgiveness like the sinful woman. Now, I want to stop here and talk about another kind of person. We've spoken about Dave. We've spoken about the sinful woman. But there is another kind of person in Allen Bible Church today. This is the person who's been coming to church for the past 12 years or longer. This is the person who's read the Bible cover to cover many times. This is the person who says, man, I'm so glad I'm in church today. And I'm not at the Cowboys game like John and Julie over there. This is the person who says, honey, I'm so glad our kids are not like theirs. 
I mean, were they not paying attention in church at all? This is a person who says, I can't believe that woman. How is she able to close her eyes and lift her hands and sing so loudly to God? Have you seen the kinds of things she posts on social media? This is the person who looks at their neighbor's yard and looks at a flag there and is like, oh, I'm glad I'm not one of them. This is a person who is recognized in their community as someone who's spiritual, as someone who's close to God. This is the person who is so close to God that they start to think that they don't need to be forgiven of much. This is the person who judges the people around based on their strengths and not on their own weaknesses. This is the person who invited Jesus over for a meal. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. Now the Pharisee identified here is called the Pharisee, which means that he was well known in the community. As much as the woman was sinful and she was well known as being a sinner, he was well known in the community as being a Pharisee who is expected to be close to God and knows the righteous standards and requirements of God. And in the previous chapters, especially in verse 34, we see that Jesus has gained a reputation among the Pharisees as someone who is a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors, and a friend of sinners. And also earlier in chapter 7, we hear about uh, the Roman centurion, and Luke is sort of contrasting the Pharisee with the response of the Roman centurion. Now, the Roman centurion was not, by any standards, recognized as one who is close to God. But he still says to Jesus that he's not worthy to have Jesus come over to his house. But here we see the Pharisee invite Jesus over. In fact, the word for invite in verse 39 can almost be translated as summoned. Now the contrast is not so explicit, but it's subtle. Luke wants us to smell a hint of self-righteousness in this passage. And after, after the Pharisee sees the actions of what the woman is doing clearly in his house, while he doesn't speak, Luke gives us an insight into what he's thinking. In verse 39, he says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited or summoned Jesus saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is, who is touching him, that she is a sinner. He says, If this man were a prophet. Now the construction here is, is interesting. The conditional clause is assuming an untruth as true for the sake of argument. Assuming an untruth as true for the sake of an argument. What, in other words, the Pharisee is saying, let's assume that Jesus was a prophet. I know Jesus is not a prophet. Let's assume that he was a prophet. If he was, he should have known what kind of woman she is. The Roman centurion, the villagers, the sinful woman. 
none of which were expected to be close to God. They could recognize who Jesus was. But the Pharisee who was expected to know God intimately could not recognize God in the flesh standing right next to him. Secondly, he says, how can she touch you? She is so far removed. She is so sinful. She has no business associating with you, let alone touch you. So see, the Pharisee recognized the difference in debt between him and the sinful woman. That she is so far gone. She has no business coming in this house. But Jesus had a few words for this Pharisee. Verse 40. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Now when Jesus says that to you, you want to pay attention. <laughs> and he says, teacher, speak. The fact that he calls Jesus teacher further emphasizes that he didn't think Jesus was anything special. He thought Jesus was just another teacher, another rabbi just like him. In fact, he commands Jesus to speak. So Jesus tells him the parable and the explanation of the women's actions. And Jesus brings out the irony in this story. Like I said, the sinful woman who was expected to be so far off, so removed from society, but she is the one who shows true devotion to God. And this Pharisee, who is known in the community as the one closest to God, the one who goes to church every day, he's the one who's far away from God. And the repeated use of the word but in verses 45 to 46, you gave me no water, but she bathed me, bathed my feet. You gave me no kiss or no greeting, but she has not stopped kissing. All of these serve to highlight the irony in this text. Friends, you and I, we sit in church and we worship God. But our hearts are sometimes far away from Him. We give money to missions, but our devotion is empty. We serve God day after day, week after week. But our love for God has probably grown cold at some point. So what is Jesus' assessment of this person? Verse 47, he says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, they have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven, loves little. Now, is there such a thing as being forgiven little? Does God have a balance of, okay, this sin is way more than this? No. Which is why God, Jesus here, is getting at a recognition of the depth of one's sinfulness. While the sinful woman completely was aware of her sinfulness, she recognized the depth of her sinfulness. The Pharisee did not recognize the depth of his sinfulness. You see, if he were to rate his relationship to God, he would have given himself an eight. He was so comfortable with his daily duties as an elder, as a deacon, as a senior pastor. He didn't think he had much to be forgiven of. Sometimes we could get so comfortable with ourselves that we can start to believe that we don't have much to be forgiven of either. And the enemy's tactic is to 
is to either make you believe that you're too far gone or to make you believe that you're absolutely okay. There's nothing wrong with you. He makes you believe that hey, you're, you're in a good place. You're absolutely fine. You're better than that guy who struggles with alcohol. You don't. You're better than that woman who struggles with envy and pride and sloth. You don't. You're better than your colleague who fudges on his taxes. You don't. You're better than that husband in your life group or community group. You don't treat your wife as badly as he does. You're better than your husband. You don't miss devotions as much as he does. You're better than your siblings. You go to church, they don't. And we start to build these calluses into, into believing that we are not so far removed. We are actually okay. Jesus who sees the sinfulness in the woman and who can see the intent in the Pharisee's mind, be assured that he sees your heart. He sees the depth of your sinfulness also. To grow in our love for God it's not how much we do, it's not how much we can work, but it's a recognition of the extent of our forgiveness. But to get there, we first have to recognize the depth of our sinfulness. They both go hand in hand. And if I'm going to be absolutely honest with you, I've been in both camps. Three weeks ago, when we were driving to church, I was, we drove past a park and we, I saw people going for a run, taking the dog for a walk, and I was telling Kathy, I can't believe these people are not in church on a Sunday morning. That was just three weeks ago. And I've been so overwhelmed in my patterns of sin, so overwhelmed where I thought, there is no way I can preach in a church. There is no way I can come to God and come to His presence. You see, the enemy's tactic is to keep us in either of these corners. And they are both idolatry. This is the idolatry of self-righteousness and self-sufficiency. And this is the idolatry of self-pity sometimes. And friends, we need to recognize that we just need to come to Jesus. Move away from either of these extremes and come to the center. Come to Jesus like the sinful woman. And for those of us who think we are like the Pharisee, we just need to stop and honestly evaluate ourselves, not in the light of all the works that we do, not in the light of our positions, but in the light of Scripture. And for those of us who think we're just so far gone that we have no way to come to God, we need to recognize that Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus welcomes us into his presence. He longs to have a relationship with us for us to love God more. And if you are here, if you are here struggling with self-sufficiency, we need to just ask God to reveal our sins. We need to be honest and ask God to search us and reveal sinfulness in us. And sometimes it's hard to discover our blind spots by ourselves, which is why God created us to be in community. So I encourage you to ask your spouse, ask your children, 
ask people in your life group what are some patterns of sin that you see that i don't see let them speak into your life so that we don't grow callous in our relationship with god on a piece of paper write down how did i feed my flesh today and keep that in your dining table keep that in your bathroom mirror keep it stick it at the bottom of your computer screen may that remind you to recognize the depth of your sinfulness every day because we need to be reminded of how sinful we are from time to time and if you are all the way here if you're too far gone if you think that you've blown it and there's no way you can come to Jesus recognize that Jesus has forgiven you all of your sins name every sin he's forgiven you because of what Jesus did on the cross and ask god you can actually do this i learned that you could do this you can just ask god to help you believe that your sins have been forgiven you can ask god to help you believe that therefore there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in christ jesus and for those of us who are struggling with sin and who haven't received this forgiveness of jesus i encourage you to receive that forgiveness as a free gift today surround yourselves with community with godly believers who can constantly remind you and encourage you that your sins all of it have been completely forgiven friends you and i we could be on either side of these doors of these camps and we just in honesty and humility need to come to the center to come and fall at the feet of jesus like the sinful woman Anita Alvarez who was a two-time swimming Olympic champion in the World Aquatics Championship she was doing her routine and near the end of her routine she became unconscious and she began to drown and her coach who was watching from a distance immediately realized that something is wrong so she quickly jumped in dove into the pool to rescue her at the nick of time just at the right time you see the devil wants us to believe that we are drowning in our sins either in an overwhelming awareness of it or in an unhealthy callousness to it and he wants us to believe that there is nobody who's going to jump in to save you from your sins friends the truth is jesus dove into that pool jesus didn't stay in heaven he came down he died on the cross and he rose again and in rising he carried us on our shoulders out of the waters of our sin and into the shore of his grace of his love and as he resuscitates us he breathes in us new life so that we can love god and he gives us the holy spirit to to convict us when we've grown cold to him and to encourage us and to draw us and remind us of god's love when we feel we're overwhelmed that is the god we serve that's what jesus did for us to grow in our love for god to grow in our love for god we must recognize the depth of your sinfulness and having done that recognize the extent of your forgiveness there is a song that i heard recently that speaks to these issues 
And the lyrics go like this. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what everybody says about you. God only knows that it's killing you. But friends, be encouraged that there is a kind of love that only God knows. And that's for all of us today. God only knows where to find you. God only knows how to break through to you. God knows the real you. But there is a kind of love that only God knows. And to grow in our love for God, we must recognize the depth of our sinfulness and recognize the extent of our forgiveness that is available in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. We are so grateful for our King, our brother, who came to this world to save us from our sins. And we are grateful, Father, for your Holy Spirit who lives in us, who encourages us and reminds us of your deep love and who challenges us and convicts us when we grow cold in our love for you. We are so grateful for your Trinitarian involvement in our life today. And God, you know what we have to do. You know where we need to change. Please just give us the boldness to listen to you and to apply the truth in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.